said to the guy if this is a waffle house where's the front door (laughs) (laughs) that's not anything (laughs) yo what is going on sleeper nation we're back with another pre-week episode of course week four just went right behind us i am natter alongside the number one australian analyst sheehan Right now, how much fab are you spending on Damien Williams? Ooh, that's a, a really good question. In one league, I, $200, $200 fab, I spent 35 And in a league with $100 fab, I spent 17 That doesn't sound like that much. We've had some people drop big sums on players already this year. I don't want to quite shoot my entire fab load just yet. Uh, and given I'm not sure how Williams is going to overcome his injury this week... Um, you know, I'm happy to throw a bit of cash around and see what happens. There's a couple of other guys on the waiver wire uh, this week that I am certainly interested in. A couple we might talk about later in the show. Mm-hmm. Now, David Montgomery, he's going to be out estimated four to five weeks. I could see that being longer. It's feel like this is going to be one of those ones that impacts him across the season. Like, uh, when you're running back, you you know your knees are, are critical to what you do and if he can't change direction or even you know if he can't play with confidence or explode off his knee with confidence then it's it's going to be difficult to start him as a fantasy relevant player it's a shame because he's been pretty good since basically the second half of last year you know david montgomery has always been somebody i've been kind of trying to shy away from he's kind of one time i heard somebody tell me that david montgomery is the running back you take when all the other ones have already been taken and I don't want to say he was wrong, but at the same time, he was kind of right. But right now, this year, he's been playing pretty well, pretty consistent to the point where I'm a little bit scared when I'm going against somebody like David Montgomery. So right now, Damien Williams, he had a he had a pretty good game when filling in. Of course, it was against, what was it? the uh, Which team was it? It was the Detroit Lions. It's so, I mean, uh, you know, it's not like he was going against a tough defense. He had eight rushes, 55 yards, a touchdown, you know, two receptions, 15 yards. So, you know, a solid stat line. You know, if you're in half-point PPR, that sounds like 14 points even right there. It's not too bad. And right now, running backs are so difficult to grab and come by. In in one of my leagues, it was a $100 fab, and somebody dropped $30 for Chuba Hubbard. And he probably won't be as uh, used as much as Damian Williams will be. I should uh, Use is probably the wrong word to say, but he won't be starting as long as Damian Williams might be. I mean, McCaffrey... While you know he's a beast in his own and he's injured right now, I think he's only going to be gone for another two to three more weeks. Damian Williams, you have him for another month, month and a half. So I think Damian Williams has a little bit more to be excited about. Yeah, well, I, I certainly prefer Williams to Chuba Hubbard. And I think this is probably, I mean, we saw um, the Elijah Mitchell gold rush early in the season. We've seen a Chuba Hubbard. But now I think this is the first genuine, you could pick him up off the waiver wire and win your league player that we've seen Hubbard and um, Mitchell they're they're kind of just guys we've seen what Williams can do he was probably robbed of being the Super Bowl MVP you know the five (laughs) five games ago that he played so we know what he's capable of and that Bears offense whether that's going to be Andy Dalton checking down or Justin Fields providing enough of a threat with his legs 
teams have to respect that. It's going to be good news for Williams. So maybe I up those bids. And if nothing else, we talked about this, I think, last week on the show, Nader, or maybe the, the show before. You know, even if you don't need players on the waiver wire, it's okay to pick them up so other people don't. Mm-hmm. Playing keep away is almost just as important, especially for trade bait. I think yep. I think Damian Williams is going to cause people to spend a lot of money on Fab because one they need to start making moves on the team right now. With Chubba Hubbard, it happened what after week two, so people were a little bit more relaxed on Chubba Hubbard. I believe it was week yeah, two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So people no, it was week week three. Week, week three, three Thursday night. Week three, so yeah, it was still early, so people aren't quite hitting the panic button just yet. You know, of course, week three still needed to be finished. And then uh, now we're along week four. So right now people are one and three, oh and four, two and two, questioning why their team is not performing up to what they expected. So Damian Williams is going to help that, especially and adding Damian Williams to trade pieces in order to completely upgrade their team, especially if you are trading to the guy that had David Montgomery. I think you are able to come up on top, especially in some sort of trade such as that. Yep, and Williams feels like we talk about these two-for-one trades. He feels like a good guy to throw in to make your trade a two-for-one. Mm-hmm. Like, say, say you're trying to go for, like, CEH, who's actually been performing fairly well the past two games. Regardless, I mean, he's had good matchups, but he's been playing very well, higher than how I anticipated and expected. So say you had, I would say, what, like, Justin... No, uh, hmm. Who, who's a mid-tier RB that you could potentially throw in and then include Damian Williams and get that guy interested in this offer? Maybe something like a like a Damian Williams plus a Cordarrel Patterson. Okay, and then for, for so CEH, maybe you, you could, I think that might be slightly overs for Ceh, but uh, he has been good. But I think you're looking at probably someone. I know he's injured now, but maybe around the Joe Mixon range. Ooh, Joe Mixon. Yeah, I'd be pretty interested in that. I mean, no, I don't co- think you're going to get Eckler. You're not going to get Swift. You're not going to get Jonathan Taylor. You might get Aaron Jones. No, no way you get Aaron Jones. I think that's Aaron Jones is a little pricey oh. right now. I'd, well, he's coming off a, a fairly ordinary week. I know he had that big blow-up game, but um, he was he was pretty disappointing for whatever reason. And I, you know, pe- people are scared. People get scared for weird reasons. You know, I get scared because of uh, jump scares and like spiders coming at me for no reason. And spooky season. This is spooky season. I don't like spooky season. People really like spooky season. I don't like spooky season. Scariest time of the year. I'm not talking about bloody tax time, Nada. Oh, That's even for, worse. Uh, Mr. Sunday movies. That's even worse. Yeah, well, you know, it's, uh, it is spooky season. That means we've got week five on the horizon. And if we're talking week five, what do we get on the show this week? Of course, we're going to go over the justifiable overreactions, your favorite segment. We're going to be talking about the one percenters. And no, we're not going to be talking about the Wall Street one percent. We're going to be talking about the unrostered, or should I say the rostered, one percent and talk about who actually has fantasy potential on your playoff roster and then of course the two minute drill where we take a look into week five and then some of our extremely procrastinations if i said that right predictions <laughs> you did not <laughs> i did not close enough you know I, i'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna take it as a potential pat on the back and say i did pretty decent on our close legendary enough, yeah, thank you on our legendary show but for right now i'm gonna give the floor to you yeah so uh We'll kick off with some justifiable overreactions. I held over. I think last week I promised a new segment here. I'm holding it over till we have a guest. But uh, for now, we've got some justifiable overreactions. So we'll start in the NFC West, your home division, as it were. The Cardinals will host the NFC Championship game. No, that's not an overreaction. They looked really good. And I, I anticipated the Rams to play a little bit better than how they did, but... 
Uh, the, the Cardinals look good right now. The Cardinals looked good without Christian Kirk or DeAndre Hopkins playing well. And that, that's the scary part, right? I mean, right now, A.J. Green, I think, has more receiving yards than, than DeAndre Hopkins. And I think as a DeAndre Hopkins owner, you should be a little bit worried at this point. Uh, if we were talking about trade, you know, hold, cut type of thing, I would definitely be looking to move DeAndre Hopkins at this point because I don't see anything in that offense changing. They just have so many weapons right now on the offensive side of the football. I'd like to see a bit more out of Hopkins, certainly. I won't be trading him anyway, simply because in the leagues I have him, I'm stacked with Kyler because that was the an expensive stack that I chased and I'm hoping it's going to pay off. But I was really excited to see AJ Green. His long touchdown was fantastic. I was expecting that this year we'd sort of see him with the, the kind of mobility of uh, the creature in young Frankenstein doing putting on the Ritz. Uh, but no, he's looked okay and it's nice to see Kyler spreading the ball around. Uh, James Connors looked good for them as well. I think he adds a nice dimension to that offensive. Rodney Hudson is doing a great job of, uh, of punching holes open for him and uh, and Chase Edmonds. So I guess, uh, yeah, I think I think the Cardinals, if they're not hosting it, I think they'll certainly be in the NFC Championship game. They look like a team that's difficult to stop right now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, to be fair for DeAndre Hopkins, Jalen Ramsey was covering him, and historically Jalen, Ra- Jalen Ramsey has done very well against Hopkins. Yeah, I mean, you can almost wipe off uh, their matchup later in the season. But it's, it's good. It's good to see these... Um, these head-to-head matchups come up on a Sunday. Now, this one, we're staying in the NFC West, and you might not like it, but Trey, Trey Lance looked bad, and it's time to sell Debo high. I mean, Trey Lance, he, he came in in a bad situation, but that Niners offense did not look good. They could not run the ball. They could not pass the ball. I mean, yes, it's a divisional game, and you know when you have a divisional rivalry such as the Seahawks Niners of course there's going to be a little bit more of a struggle but uh right right now the Niners lack the ability to beat man defense on a consistent basis so teams now it happened with the the Packers and now it's happening with the Seahawks and I see it consistently happening with the Cardinals and then the Rams right after that when they play each other that teams are going to stack the box blitz and play man coverage on the outsides and expect their corners to be able to shadow blanket and cover the Niners wide receivers because right now Brandon Ayuk and Debo have trouble getting separation in main coverage. Well, Debo had no trouble getting separate this week uh, when he was covered by Jamal Adams. Yes. Uh, yes. But no, you're right. I was, I was worried. What I was really concerned about with Lance was for a guy who is so athletic and it goes around, my heart was in, in, um, in my mouth every time he took off to run. That kid doesn't know how to slide. No. He is, you know, uh, a lot of the times NFL teams will go and hire baseball players and baseball coaches to teach quarterbacks how to slide. I think yep. uh, you have to hire maybe a whole MOB team in order to show Trey Lance how to slide. I think they've got to get that uh, that guy from, you'll know better than I, with the uh, the long slide from a few weeks ago. Uh, uh-huh. Uh, I'm sure you would know the video if you're talking about, yeah, he, um, as I say, this was like uh, RG3 of a, a running quarterback who doesn't know how to protect himself. And you can be as athletic as you want, but if you can't stay healthy, then you know better than uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, really. Yeah, uh, realistically... Jimmy Garoppolo, he, he didn't play that bad, I think, in the circumstances. I mean, he went down the field. And, uh, he drove him down the field, gave him a 7-0 lead, and then it would have been a 10-0 lead if the Niners actually had a kicker and not the punter kicking a field goal. So, I mean, the, the whole dynamic of the game changed when the Niners kicker got hurt. And unfortunately for me and a lot of people, the Yahoo announcement did not come out until after the game started Ooh. for grobby gold not playing so i in in a couple of leagues of mine 
Robbie Gold was my starting kicker, and he put up a nice donut for me and a lot of people. So three points here that I'll try and rattle through. The first one being, I'm pretty sure that Mitch Wishnowski became the first Australian to score a point in the NFL this weekend. Uh, with his extra point filling in as kicker for the uh, the 49ers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Not um, bad. The second point uh, has totally escaped my mind, which is really, really helpful for the people at home. Uh, and the third was just going to be to double back to this uh, uh, selling Debo high. Yeah. Uh, a person asked me today, and you know they know I was a Niners fan, so they asked, hey, what do I do with Debo Samuel who's having phenomenal games? And I said, if you can come up with a pirate ship worth of valuables for Debo Samuel, you should go for it. Yeah, the only league I have him in is a dynasty league and I'm not I'm not going to trade him there. He's not even starting for me, humble brag, uh, but I'm not, I'm not going to trade him because uh, my receiver's getting a bit older. But I think in, in redraft, he's coming off a big game. I think sell now uh, because uh, Lance just, uh, just didn't look good. Oh, that, that was the other point I was going to make is that um, this we'll, we'll see a Trey Lance game plan this week. If, if he plays. I don't plays. think Garoppolo's playing. Hey, I don't think play. Garoppolo's playing. Yeah, I, I think, I think you know, him coming out into the second half, kind of running a Garoppolo scheme, not necessarily a Trey Lance scheme, definitely did him any good. I think the offense will look refurbished, refreshed, new if Trey Lance is going to be the quarterback going forward. But to circle back to the original question, yes. I would start looking at offers for Debo, but as of right now, the Niners, they have to throw it to somebody, and they're going to be playing a lot of tough matchups where they might be playing from behind, such as the Cardinals, the Rams, so on and so forth. So, I mean, it's not like Debo does not have valuable and he's not startable, but when he had an ADP of the ninth round and you more likely have better receivers ahead of him starting, you have to get valuable assets for Debo in order to justify taking him out. I mean, we talked about this last week, but if you... It's hard to say with AJ Brown, but if you could cash him in for someone like AJ Brown, um, essentially in the sense that you're cashing in for an elite receiver who's underperforming for a good, a solid to good receiver who's overperforming, um, maybe it's time to start looking. If you're you're well, three and one or four and zero, oh, to start looking uh, at those playoff matchups to um, to try and see who you might want to exploit down the uh, down the other end of the season and get a trade in there. Mm-hmm. It's possible. Maybe Stefan Diggs. He's uh, he's been low. Okay, here let's talk about this one. Would you do? Would, how much of a trade would you consider Damian Williams, Debo for Stefan Diggs? I think you could almost do Debo for Diggs at the moment. That's difficult. That's difficult to accept because of the draft capital spent on Diggs. So I think I would need at least something else in return in order to be able to justify that trade. I suppose that's the issue with the draft capital is the, the guys that are going at that point where you might be willing to find someone to budge on them. Um, we're talking like a Cooper Cup. No one's trading him for Debo Samuel. Nah. You know what? While, while we're doing this, let's look up Debo trades right now. I have that up right now, and I'm looking at one of them. Ah, uh, As of today, only one trade with Debo Samuel on Yahoo's trade market has come up, and it's a little bit of a big one. It's Debo Samuel, Devin Singletary, and Justin Jefferson for uh Derek Carr and Derek Henry. That's a little so it's bit. Derek bigger. Carr and Derek Henry for was it Debo Samuel and Justin Jefferson? And Devin Singletary. I think I want Jefferson, Debo and Singletary. Yes, yes. I mean this could be a super flex league unfortunately yeah who does not tell me this. So that's the reason yep. to have Derek Carr in it and if that's the case Possibly. then Derek Carr and Derek Henry are two lovely pieces to have on your team. 
Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't know, maybe something like a... Maybe you could trade Debo for Mike Williams plus. And I know we say we don't like two for ones, but if that other one that was the steak knife for Mike Williams was, let's say, um, Damien Williams, the Williams brothers, mm-hmm. um, you know, I could see that being a, an advantageous trade given particularly uh, you would likely be dropping someone for Damien Williams this week anyway. Yes, and well, I think I would rather have Demo, Debo than Mike Williams because the Chargers have a lot of weapons on that roster and we saw that weapons arsenal in full flex against the Raiders Monday night with, I mean, Jared Cook going off. Keenan Allen didn't even really get his. Mike Williams didn't really get his. Uh, Eckler got his. He went off. And, I mean, that offense looked phenomenal and they didn't really even flex Keenan Allen and Mike Williams like they typically do yeah um Williams was very disappointing I think he had one for 11 after a pretty promising start to the season here's a name you might be able to rest out of someone's cold dead hands through four games he's got 20 catches so five a week he's only got the one touchdown averaging 66 yards per game at Debo Samuel for CD Lamb that's a good one because I think that is the buying low on CD Lamb, essentially an elite asset in what's probably, well, almost certainly a better offense. Debo Samuel's playing really good right now. CD Lamb has a lot of weapons around him also. He uh, does. And he the, does, but you, well, Michael Gallup's injured. Yes. Murray Cooper is limited. And Dak Prescott will likely win the MVP if Kyler Murray doesn't. Yeah. Uh, the Niners' inability to run the ball gives me hope for Debo's value right now. True. But I suppose you've got George Kittle lurking there as well. Anyway, we could talk all night about about uh, Debo Samuel, but let me let me finish up before we go on to uh, the other justifiable overreactions. Mm-hmm. C.D. Lamb, his real name, if you like, or his full name, Sedarian Lamb, is that a better name than C.D.? No. You could say C.D.'s nuts. That's it. There's I, no I better name. I was going to say, I, I knew 100% as soon as I said it, you would say no because of C.D.'s nuts. Well, yeah. There you go. What if his name was Ligma Lamb? <laughs> then yes. Then yeah. yes, that would be a better name. Classic japes. Right, justifiable overreaction number three. Baker Mayfield won't be the Browns quarterback after this season. Why not? Well, that's up to you to say. You might no, say that's, that's no. an absolute overreaction. <laughs> that is an overreaction. And I'm not sure how you came to that conclusion. Well, as far as I know, they haven't picked up his option. Uh-huh. He's not played particularly well this season. He was horrible on the weekend. It looks like he's limited with an injury. His progressive commercials are sort of falling off a bit. That is true. Could you see there being a world where they move him on? No. If they think we are in a in the window to win a Super Bowl right now. No, no. Baker, Baker Mayfield is better than any quarterback they could potentially get right now. I mean, the only thing they could potentially do now is 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 take advantage of the train wreck that we're about to talk about in a second and get themselves Trevor Lawrence somehow for from the Browns. Other than that, they're no, no, they're not moving on for big. I mean, they could give up. Well, I was going to say Matt Ryan, uh, get Matt Ryan, a guy we talked about being somewhere else. No, I mean, I, it would be, no, I doubt it. It would be semi-intelligent for them to try to go to, for Matt Ryan, but I still rank Baker Mayfield very highly because so Baker, he kind of had the, issue that the Niners are kind of currently facing where right now the Niners they can't beat man defense but the Browns they couldn't beat cover two zone defense and lately with the new offense of Kevin Scafancy they haven't had that issue which is why Baker Mayfield has looked a whole lot better consistently on a consistent basis than he used to uh, but, but right now I'm not too worried about Baker 
I'm a big fan of, of Baker. I'm not worried about him either. Um, but I think we'd be foolish to uh, sit here and say, I don't think there are discussions being had about whether he's their guy going forward within the walls of Cleveland. And it might just be, oh, is Baker our guy? He absolutely is. I think he's a perfect fit for Cleveland. He's the he's the underdog. He's got kind of that big dick energy. He's a working class dude, walk on in college. I think he suits them down to the ground. Just needs to probably up his game a bit. Um, but it is interesting that the Browns haven't signed him to a long-term deal, which as number one overall pick is the quarterback who led you to the playoffs for the first time uh, in forever. You think you'd be keen to do that, but I guess this is notionally what good organizations do, unlike Philadelphia or the Rams who paid players big money to not even be on their team this year. Uh, yeah, but right now the Rams look very good, so it's hard to... It's hard as, as, as fun as it is to knock on the Rams for their draft capital decisions and their paying debt and salary cap decisions they're still one of the best teams in the nfl somehow so it's hard to knock on the rams i'm not going to um not going to lot knock uh les sneed for his aggressiveness mm-hmm. but they also didn't have to pay golf when they did no nah, they didn't but at the so, time golf came off of a super bowl appearance it, yeah it's, they, it's, they could have also given him picked up his fifth year option like the browns have done with baker and not extended until the end of the season and they wouldn't be paying a shit ton of money for a player who's not in their roster. Now, as I say, I think I love that the um, the Rams are, have essentially done what we're advocating for the Browns to do here, which is go and get players to help you win the Super Bowl rather than just, if everything falls in our favor, we'll go okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right now, uh, the aggressive NFL team always finds a way to come up victorious, and uh, I'd like to see the Browns become a little bit more aggressive so they can actually topple the Chiefs. I think so. I think so, and um, running the ball a million times a game is not going to be able to do that. Not bad. Disney's kind of nice. All right, so let's move on to the 1% real fast. Let's go over, instead of the, the, the serious of topics of us ranting on, let's talk about some a little bit more fantasy football related. And in the 1%, so right now we're going to be talking about guys that are owned in 1% or less of fantasy league. So... Right now, I'm going to start it off with a guy of a name that I'm afraid to say right now. And it's Khalif Raymond, wide receiver for the like, Detroit Lions. How about that? I like it. I like the, I like the affectation there. Thank is you. That, Thank uh, you. Is that an authentic pronunciation? Yep, yep, yep. Right there. Yeah. That's the only one that I can confidently do right there. So for right now, 14 catches, 182 yards, and two touchdowns throughout four weeks. So in the last two weeks... 16 targets, 9 catches, 114 yards, 2 touchdowns. Did I say it properly? What? Khalif Raymond? No, no, not, not his name, his stats. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, thank you. Thank you. So in the past two weeks, as I reiterate right here, 9 catches, 114 yards, 2 touchdowns. Uh, there's nobody in Detroit. I just want to put it out there. I thought Amon Ross a. Brown would have a little bit more of an impact. A little bit underwhelming. Hawkinson, incredibly underwhelming. The, the Cephas, I mean, he's too inconsistent. I know last week he had a decent week. The week before that, he point he put up point zero eight points. A little inconsistent. Right now, we got Raymond over here putting up some numbers. So, how interested are you in him? I'm very interested in Khalif Raymond. I nice, added nice. him to uh, a couple of rosters last week after his performance. I think he's the most interesting man in Detroit. Uh, at the moment, the most interesting receiver to own. Uh, Armin Rasson Brown had his best career game this weekend against the Bears, but uh, Raymond seems to be making a lot of hay in the slot. He is has got enough speed to be a deep threat. When he was in um, uh, Tennessee, 
prior to this season, he was primarily a deep threat, kick returner, punt returner there. Um, but he's playing in the slot, and he seems to have uh, Jared Goff's trust. And for me, he's had eight targets the past two weeks, nine catches, 114 yards, and two touchdowns. So he needs to say, and for a guy who, I mean, we're talking about, the, the you can question the validity of this data. These are guys who might own in 1% or fewer in leagues, depending on which platform you're playing on. But I would be going out and scooping up Halif Raymond uh, with these bye weeks yet to come. What do you reckon, Nada? He's definitely a interesting character that I'm looking at. But right now, there's somebody like Hunter Renfro that's probably out available in a majority of leagues. I would be more interested in scooping him up before I go ahead with our boy Raymond. But, I mean, if you're in an ultra-competitive 12-14 to 14 team league, then yeah, I would go after somebody such as that. He's probably um, an interesting name to watch for DFS, things like that. Mm-hmm. Like right so now, if, uh, if that's your go. Yeah, as a, as of right now, Hunter Renfro, he's rostered in twenty seven percent of Yahoo League. So, unfortunately, I would have to give the uh, Hunter Renfro a little slight edge over somebody like Raymond. But like I, like you said, and like I said, uh, in deeper leagues, DFS and all that stuff, he would be a full go on. Yeah, absolutely. I'm just trying to um, have a look at what Raymond scored the last two weeks, but they were um, they were uh, pretty good. In fact, I spelt his name wrong here. He's just uh, K A L I F. I don't know if that changes the uh, pronunciation. K L A. K A L I F. There's no H. Oh, maybe it's Kalef then, because the, I know the K H will make the H little pronunciation. Uh, without the H, I think it's just Ka. I thought it was uh, Khalif, as in like Wiz Khalifa. Oh, that's actually a, a different way you can pronounce it. That's not bad. So through three weeks, week one against San Francisco, he had 8.9 PPR points, which is eh. Uh, against Baltimore, 12.8 points. And this week against Chicago, 19.6 points. Next three weeks, he has Minnesota, Cincinnati, and the Rams coming up, who are all uh, bottom half defenses against wide receivers. For me, that doesn't matter too much because we know Detroit are going to be throwing the ball. Uh, we can assume that he's not going to see Pat Pete or um, Ramsey against uh, the uh, the Vikings or the Rams. So I think this is I think he's an interesting guy to um, to look at. He's probably the, the reason why we're talking about him first is because I think he is the most interesting one percenter in the NFL right now. I think he is, but I think we're going to talk about another interesting one right now in somebody like John Ross, John Thunderbolt Ross, wide receiver for the Giants. He had a nice, phenomenal game against the Saints, you know, with a nice three catches, 77 yards, and a touchdown. You were telling me that you started him in a league? I absolutely started him in a league against sometime guest host of this podcast, the Walmart Josh Allen himself. I started him and beat him in a league uh, with Josh Allen. Um, oh, with John Ross, John Ross, sorry. Yeah, that was, um, you know, this is was one of these things that in a, in a dynasty league, injuries stack up and you have to start looking at your roster construction and go, well, do I want to play it safe and start like Adam Humphreys, who is probably in that same range as like a, he's not as good as Renfro, but you're looking at like like a, a four for 40 guy, or do we want to swing for the fences with John Ross when you're trying to pick up points when you've got sort of a, a lot of players missing? So I did that with Ross and I was very happy to see him back. I've been a long time fan of John Ross. I think he got a rough deal in Cincinnati. He's had a rough deal with injuries and he's absolutely a bust. I nearly coined the phrase the bust brothers for Ross and Kadarius Tony this week, uh, but we'll watch how Tony goes um, as the season progresses. Uh, but yeah, I'm interested in John Ross. I'm not starting him every week, but 
you know, if he has another blow-up performance, we're Shepard's still out, Slayton's still out, um, and uh, Danny Dimes is playing well. And if you have a look on some of the tape, he was getting open, and Dimes just wasn't throwing him the ball. He reminds me of Henry Ruggs a little bit, to the point where he's a speedster. He runs a nice post, runs a nice go. But yeah. how, how comfortable are you putting him in your lineup again? You know what? If I need big points, I'm happy to roll him out. I'm not going to drop someone to pick him up in a 12-team redraft league. But if he's already on my roster, um, then, you know, he's already, we've got bye weeks coming up. Maybe you need to swing from the fences to get a win. You might as well go with John Ross. You know they're going to be throwing well. Alrighty, so Mo Ali Cox, tight end for the Indianapolis Colts. Now, Mo Ali Cox, while having a phenomenal name, he had his time in the limelight last year with a solid about four weeks where he consistently put up touchdowns. And everybody said, oh, this guy's the next big thing. He's your every week starter. And then after that, he fell off a cliff. Is this the start of his mini miniature peak or is he actually going to have consistent NFL play throughout the year? I think you could do worse than Mo Ali Cox. In the same way we're talking about John Ross, if you're looking for a touchdown-dependent tight end. So Indianapolis um, are all, almost running as many plays in the red zone as any team in the NFL right now. And you probably can't tell because they're not doing it particularly well. So Jonathan Taylor currently leads the, leads the league in red zone attempts and is yet to score a touchdown from inside the 20. They're throwing a Zach Pascal, who is you know, just a guy. But Mo Ali Cox, nice point of difference. He's six five, six six. He doesn't block when he's out there, so you know if he's out there, he's uh, he's going to be throwing. And he, he's clearly got um, uh, Carson Wentz's eye, which is exciting. The only issue is they also have Jack Doyle, who is their presumptive number one tight end. Uh, but yeah, I think on again we're talking about bye weeks. These are guys who might be bye week fill-ins, points of difference in for DFS or. Um, you know, potentially a streamer if the matchup is right, then, you know, have a go with, with Mo Ali Cox. Mm-hmm. Now, right now, as I look at the waivers, I see Dalton Schultz owning 30% of leagues. Would you recommend Schultz or your boy oh, Mo Schultz Alley? 100%. Dawson Knox 100%. Like- Dawson, Dawson Knox is rostered on 48% of leagues. I'm looking at it right now. You see a Max Williams with a 2X legend. He is also rostered in 2% of leagues. So, unfortunately... We'll talk about him in a moment, and I accidentally skipped him. But he's on in 2% of leagues. Would you rather Max Williams or our boy Mo Ali Cox? That's an interesting argument to have, because obviously Max Williams is part of a more productive offense, but there are more mouths to feed. Mo Ali Cox interests me because he's the point of difference in that offense. Now, it's worth noting he had his... I, I think he scored, what's my math side? Like 26 fantasy points so far this year. 19.2 came this week. But the next two weeks, he has Baltimore and Houston, who are the worst and second worst at defending the tight end uh, this year. So, again, I think this is um, an interesting player to have. He's going to be bigger. I think he's, what, 6'6 or something. Um, He's a huge ex-basketball guy. So, you know, all of those box out, rebound, all those sort of uh, cliches. But um, I'm I'm not going to start him yet but uh, you never know he was 30 31 catches for 394 yards and two touchdowns last year um, I think he's one to monitor to see how he goes but bear in mind they are matchups in his favor the next fortnight mm-hmm. so let's move on to Drew Locke real fast because he's an interesting character I was watching Red Zone last you know of course on Sunday and I take a bathroom break I poop took a dump I wiped I washed my hands 
I came back to the TV, and all of a sudden, Drew Locke is playing quarterback, and I don't know what happened. <laughs> what do you think it sort of climbed out of the toilet, put on a helmet and a Denver jersey, and went out onto the field? You know, you might as well have said that, the way he played also. I mean, he didn't play phenomenally. I was very curious to see Teddy Bridgewater get benched, considering Teddy Bridgewater was playing pretty decently up to that point. Bridgewater got concussed. Oh, oh, did he know? Okay, that I did not know at the time. Yeah, yeah there's a reason. Why, there's a reason why Bridgewater is starting and Drew Luck isn't. Yeah, I think this is 100%. I think we saw it with Trey Lance this week as well. That maybe these people who do the NFL professionally know a bit more than us who sort of sit at home. So my, I guess the interest for Drew Lock here is not so much having him on your roster because I don't think he's going to be a thing this year. It's really his impact on those players on the Denver team. Uh, ostensibly, it should be better for fantasy, but I'm not sure it is. Might be better for Cortland Sutton. That's about I, it. I don't think so. I'd rather have Teddy Two Gloves slanging it than Drew Locke. I'll be honest. Steady Teddy. Uh huh. Uh, you know, with Drew Locke, I don't know what I'm getting. With Teddy Two Gloves, I can actually have some sort of idea of what I'm getting. Yeah. Yeah, I... Um I couldn't agree more. I've got no interest in Drew Locke, but he was uh, rostered in, I think, uh, 1% or fewer leagues, whichever I look. Now, a guy that I have had some interest in this season, Freddie Swain, wide receiver in Seattle, 9 for 125 and 2 on the weekend. Now, you'll remember him from Russell Wilson's scrambling off-platform touchdown this week, uh, but he's averaging three targets per week at the moment and 13.9 yards per catch. With Tyler Lockett under an injury cloud, what are you thinking about Freddie Swain? The Seattle number three wide receiver always seems to have a good game. Nobody knows who he is. Nobody knows how they got the good game, but they always have a good stat line. And nobody really knows why, how, or why he's important and why he's stealing targets from DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. But there you have it. Now you have Freddie Sway and he's the new wide receiver three for Seattle. And he's going to be a phenomenal bi-week fill-in starter. I think right now we're a little bit early on talking about him. I think as the year goes on, He's going to be a big name and a big waiver wire ad. Yep. This is another guy I've been on from the start of the season. So, you know, it's nice to see him ball out and uh, and produce. But as you say, the, that Seattle number three receiver has been productive in the past. Right now they're passing the ball efficiently and effectively. They don't really... I don't consider their tight end to be a monstrous position for them to worry about as a pass catcher. Yep. I, I I would rather have Freddie Swain than a tight end. They added um, D. Eskridge at the draft this year, who's essentially a deep threat, and he hasn't been playing. Swain's a bit more of a traditional slot receiver, uh, which is why I think he's... If Lockett continues to be hampered by injury, he's the sort of guy that might see some work there. Mm-hmm. Now let's move on to O.J. Howard real fast, because he's a tight end for Tampa Bay, and with... Gronkowski being a little bit on the injured side, you would have to look at the tight end position. And right now I see Cameron Bray questionable about him. And I see OJ Howard. I'm also questionable about him. I'm not too intrigued about these options, but do you feel better? So quick OJ Howard anecdote. This weekend on uh, The Blitz, which I'm sure you all listen to, Sundays is our live call-in show where you can ask your start sits questions. Um, I accidentally clicked the wrong link and came in as a host instead of a listener. Uh, but quickly muted myself just to listen to the pod. But I did unmute myself to um, to Raz, sometime host and, and friend of the show, George, uh, when he suggested that OJ Howard might be worth a look with Gronk out. So, you know, if you're, you're trusting George's his thoughts, 
Uh, certainly Howard is the more appealing all-round prospect than Cameron Bright, but Brady seems to have a, uh, a good bond with his, his fellow BRA surnamed uh, tight end. So I've got no interest in OJ Howard, but if something would happen to Bray and uh, Gronk was out for probably longer than he appears to be with cracked ribs, then yeah, sure. If OJ Howard's the number one guy, then that Tom Brady's tight end is an interesting position for me. Mm-hmm. I mean, people want to chase a Tom Brady tight end because of potential potential production. I just don't want to chase that type of potential production in the tight end position. It's already lacking, and if you have a bust in that position then it's even more disappointing in your fantasy lineup, in your fantasy week. And that's going to have a huge impact on your chances of winning. I would much rather have Mo Ali Cox. I would much rather have Ma- uh, Marks Max, Williams. Sorry, Max Marks Williams. Max Yeah, sorry. Yeah, that, that, that's how it came out of my mouth. Max Williams, I would look at Schultz, Cook, and all that type of tight ends before I would go to a uh, OJ Howard. Yeah, I think we're looking at, like, even our man, the Furk, uh, over OJ Howard, CJ Uzama, um, maybe quite not, uh, not quite Donald Parham Jr., but uh, certainly in that range. Uh-huh. Uh, before we get to to OJ, now Marks Max Williams. Thank you. What do we think of him? He's an interesting one. We, you know, of course, we talked about him a moment ago. He's somebody I want to keep an eye on. I'm not sure I'm willing to roster him just yet. Yeah, I think we talked about him being part of a pro- explosive, productive offense, but a lot of mouths to feed there. It's not too dissimilar to Dawson Knox, I suppose, but Knox is sort of a, a better caliber player than Max Williams. And he has a cooler name, so, you know, it happens to be that way. So, uh, Todd Gurley and Armand Stevenson. I want to pair them together a little bit because I think they're kind of similar players, minus the knee yeah. injury. Now, Todd Gurley, of course, a free agent. Yeah, so I think... Gurley's best chance to get in the team might be dependent on how severe Damian Williams' roster is. Uh, Damian Williams' injury is. He might end up on the Bears. But I think... I don't know. Do you feel like we've seen the last of Todd Gurley at the NFL level? No. No, but hot take, I think Frank Gore gets signed before Todd Gurley. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if Gore's necessarily tried out anywhere this year, but sure, why not? That's an interesting take. Thank you. No. Um, Go ahead. Ramondre Stevenson, on the other hand, I am very interested in because I think this is going to be his week in New England. I realize I said that last week wasn't even active, but we saw an insipid rushing performance. And yes, the Bucks are a good rushing defense, but the Patriots, it ain't it ain't happening for them. And Ramondre Stevenson is their best pass blocking back. He's their best pass catching back. Now James White is out. We saw JJ Taylor fumble. So. I think all signs are pointing to the Rhino getting back into the New England setup, and he might get his chance to be their their lead back if he balls out. It's tough, but right now I would highly recommend rostering Stevenson because, I mean, he's basically a handcuff at this point, and he has a path to startability. And a lot of running backs don't necessarily have that path unless a huge injury happens in their way. And, of course, you know, with Stevenson... Harris is not too flashy, not too phenomenal, and everybody else just looks subpar on the Patriots running back team. So, uh, Ramondre Stevenson, he's worth rostering because he actually has a path to startability. 
I don't know if I'm just so pig-headed about Stevenson because I was such a big fan uh, before he got to New England. I just I'm sick of watching Brandon fucking Bolden. He is my least favorite player in the NFL. Well, he does have a semi-cool name. I'm going to agree with you. He just does nothing. Yeah. I don't like him. I don't like him either. Um, while we're talking New England, though, we'll skip over this next name and stay with Kendrick Bourne, who has 11 catches for 164 yards and a touchdown over the past two weeks. What do you reckon about uh, about Kendrick? It reminds me of the, the Steelers, where there's a handful of pass catchers, and you're not not necessarily quite sure on what to do with them. Right now, Kendrick Bourne, he's playing pretty decent football. you got Myers. You have, uh, sorry, the other wide receiver eludes me right Aguilar. now. Aguilar, the baby dropper. There we go. Kendrick Bourne's <laughs> my favorite one, and I think he is the best wide receiver out of the bunch. But the lack of stardom, I should say, and the potential playmaking ability is, I think, what hampers Kendrick Bourne's fantasy value. I think you're right to a degree. I also think Bourne has been the best receiver on that team the past two weeks. He's more natural than Myers, who still hasn't scored a touchdown. And they're using him in a variety of ways. He's not just their slot guy. They're using up and down the field. He looks the most explosive playmaker. uh, And he clearly has a bit of a connection with Mac Jones there. But he is, for me, he's better than Adam Humphreys. He's not as good as Hunter Renfro. And I would almost put Renfro in that Cole Beasley class. Maybe not quite. Uh, But, yeah, I think... Bourne should have a... The Patriots have a late buy, and uh, Bourne will have, I imagine, a nice solid floor. I'm sure we've all seen Mac Jones's target chart uh, from this week, uh, and those sort of 5 to 15-yard passes is where Kendrick Bourne makes his money. Mm-hmm. I think in the next coming weeks, we're going to see Freddie Swain, the Seattle's number three wide receiver, and Kendrick Bourne. Their names come up a lot due to bye weeks and injuries, and if you want to get a jump on it, it might be a good idea. Now, another person to potentially get a jump on is Jamichael Hasty, especially because he's currently on the IR right now. You can stack him in your IR slot. I had imagined a lot of people already have done that right now, but Jamichael Hasty is another back that you might be able to do so because like Ramondre Stevenson, Hasty has a path to start ability because one, the Niners aren't able to run the ball as effectively as they were with Mostert. And Hasty does have the Runnings, he does have the running style that somebody like the Niners and a Shanahan offense, he, they want to have. So that being said, he is a easy scoop and IR stash. Yeah, I think, well, I don't think a lot of people have him rostered. I think only 1% of people have him rostered. That's you why he's on the show, but I totally agree. If you, you can put him on your IR, put him on your IR and uh, and see what happens there. Let's circle back to the other bus brother, Kadarius Tony, who this week... Nine targets, six catches, 78 yards. Another guy who, if you haven't seen the highlight, look at his dead leg, uh, stop and go sort of moves to throw the Saints uh, secondary into chaos. So we've been less than complimentary about Kadarius Tony so far. Did you see any of this game or, or catch any of it on Red Zone or, or even any of the highlights? Yeah, the, you know, of course, Red Zone highlights, Red Zone analysis comes on, you know, I'll be sticking my eye on that for the TV. I would rather have John Ross than Kadarius Tony. Of course, Dynasty is a different story, but in a redraft league, I'm more comfortable with John Ross. Yep. Yeah, I, I'd i be tempted to go for Tony here because I could see them increasing his role. I don't think... Like, Ross is just going to be the deep threat. And I think if Slayton comes back, he could potentially um, just take that role totally and then Ross is left out in the cold 
Tony, on the other hand, if he continues to look like the excellent playmaker he did this week, bear in mind he looked absolutely shit for the first three weeks, um, they are going to find a way to get the ball in his hands, whether it's Shepard back or not. I do think you're correct. But right now, if I'm... Yeah, rostering a one percenter, while it's difficult, you usually kind of want a big play potential for that, for the ability to win you your week, which is why I I think I would go John Ross. But yeah, you're one hundred percent right. Kadarius Tony has the better chance of solidifying a usefulness in that offense. Yep. Yep. Now let's move on to Tommy Tremble, tied in from Carolina. Carolina obviously liked him enough to trade away Dan Arnold. Uh, the other week to get C.J. Henderson. Well, is it a coincidence that as soon as they trade Dan Arnold, they lose? Uh, I think so. I think they needed that uh, Darnold-Arnold combination, although Slam and Sammy doesn't look like slowing down. Uh, Trimble's an interesting guy. He's a rookie tight end, um, mostly used as a blocker at Notre Dame, but is a far better pass catcher than was given credit for there. Uh, he plays a bit like Jordan Reed. You know, he's a 6'2", 6'3", guy, as opposed to someone like Mo Cox, who's 6'5", 6'6". And he's a bit of a, a move tight end, so you see him on uh, sweeps and screens and all sorts of stuff like that. So, a name to watch, but I'm not picking him up probably this season at all. Yeah, the tight ends, it's just so bad. And there's a lot of semi-decent startable ones on the waivers, and nobody rosters more than one typically. So yep. there's usually something in the waivers for somebody to stream at any given moment. Uh, I'm staying away from Tommy Treble. Cool name, cool yep. guy. Staying away. So Alex Collins, running back for Seattle. I mean, he had 10 carries, 44 yards, and a touchdown against the Niners last Sunday. He reminds me of Carlos Hyde when he was on Seattle. Of course, you know, it's Chris Carson's show. Alex Collins' solid handcuff. But he's not going to provide you with fantasy potential until there is an injury. Well, you say that, but um, Carson was DNP today. So if he's hampered, he's limited, as you say. Uh, Collins... It might be if you know, might be a nice safety blanket for um, if you miss out on Damien Williams. Maybe Alex Collins is the man to pick up. I can get behind that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's let's put a bow on this. I'll give you a couple of questions to go out on here. So you've got a spot on your roster. You need a win. Who are you picking up for a one week spot start? I'm I'm looking at Caleb Raymond. Or John Ross. Yep. And what about rest of season? Who do you think has the best season out of all of these players? Kendrick Bourne. Because yep. he's already an every week starter. Yep. I think... Um, here's some inside baseball talk for uh, for our listeners. Justifiable overreactions nearly had uh, Khalif Raymond finishes as a top 36 wide receiver uh, this year. And I, I, think, I think he's potentially a wide receiver 3-4. I think... He might not be a league winner, but he's going to help you pick up wins during these bye weeks, and those bye week wins are critical. Mm-hmm. All righty. So let's move on to the two-minute drill. Sheehan, get it going. Right. Um, let me let me get a timer here. How about that? How's that? Oh, I thought you, I thought you were going to keep going with. No, 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 no. Uh, no, no, no. Fair enough. Is that uh, Benny Goodman? 
Uh, right, so what am I looking forward to this week? Well, obviously, I am looking forward to Jets Falcons in London. Listeners will remember I did apply to go as a member of the media to this game. Sadly, I was rejected, so, you know, fuck the NFL. I didn't want to watch this dumbass game anyway. Same. So I'm looking forward to that game. I'm sure all of our listeners, uh, this gives you the full day of football. For me, it starts at 2.30 in the afternoon and kind of rolls through till about mm, 4 o'clock in the morning. Uh, which I'm sure uh, you can do your own maths in your own local areas there. So what are the games we're looking forward to this week? Well, I think we'll see Denver get back to their winning ways against Pittsburgh. Apparently Big Ben has a hip injury, so who knows if that's real or if that isn't real. Uh, But certainly that'll be one to watch. I think Denver bounces back with a win there, no matter who's under centre. I think Saints at Washington football team will be interesting as well. We've seen Taylor Heineke perform uh, excellently as a dual-threat quarterback, make some ridiculous plays. He's almost a bit Fitzmagic-esque in in his play so far this year. So I think we might see some more of that. Should be good news for Terry McLaurin. And I think we might see some more of J.D. McKissick after his uh, game-winning run uh, on on Sunday against the Falcons. Now, the game of the week, as far as I'm concerned, is going to be the Browns at the Chargers. Um, I think we'll see whether the Chargers are the real deal against this Browns defense, which are playing out of their skin. And hopefully, Baker and the gang will get to right the ship a little bit there. And... Oh, actually, I'll tell you the game of the week. I should have looked at this one. Buffalo, Kansas City. Yes, yes, you were correct. There you go. That could be shades of um, the Rams versus... Was that Rams-Kansas City? Yeah, a few years ago where both teams sort of dropped 40 burgers. Anyway, that's my time. What are you looking forward to this week, Nada? Yeah, I was wondering if you are going to mention the Bills-Kansas City because that looks like a juicy game that I can't wait to watch. That's going to be a fun Sunday nighter. But if I want to pick out a different game, I'm going to have to go to the Rams against the Seahawks. Another big matchup for these two because this is the one not only is it a divisional matchup and probably the best division of football but it's going to be a high scoring affair when these two teams go against each other it is always unpredictable on how it goes whether it's an overtime tie a missed field goal for the win or an absolute slugfest out of the two another game i think is going to be pretty interesting is going to be the green bay packers against the cincinnati Bengals, both rocking a three-on-one record i think this is where we see how elite is joey burrow and how good are the Bengals. I think that is going to be a fun game to watch and a little bit of a stress test for the Cincinnati Bengals. You, you want more? You got like two, two and a quarter minutes left if you want to add anything else? Uh, two and a quarter minutes left? I, I thought this was a two minute draw. How did I gain time? Uh, oh, sure. sorry, a minute. Well, you were about 45 seconds in. Okay, sorry. well, I mean, I'm usually finished in 45 seconds, but hold on, let me see if I can find another what one real fast. Are you doing faster. it twice? Oh, whew, sheesh. <laughs> Let's talk about the Bears and the Raiders real fast. You know, the Raiders took the first L of the season last, I mean, of course, Monday night against the Chargers. And right now the Bears are not playing good defense. I just want to put it out there. They're not playing good defense. And the Raiders' offense looks phenomenal. And I want to see how the Bears' offense looks against a bad Raiders' defense and a banged-up secondary. I want. To, I think this is one of those games that if 
Justin Fields plays. This is his gimme, his get right game, his set, get his footing, you know, pass, you know, get some rhythm with his wide receivers, get uh, Allen Robinson going for once in his goddamn life. And I think that would be a nice game to look for. What do you make of Darnell Mooney in that game? He had a really good game against uh, the Lions, and we've just seen uh, the air raid of the uh, the Chargers. Eric Coriel, reborn, uh, gashed the Raiders this week. What do you reckon about Darnell Mooney? I would go for it. Right now, the Raiders' secondary was already inadequate. They think they ha- I think they had two injuries to the secondary against the Chargers. I think uh, the secondary looks almost as bad, if not worse, than the Niners right now. I would go full ahead with Mooney and Allen Robinson. Yeah, full speed ahead as far as I'm concerned as well. Now, circling back to our one percenter conversation just before we move on to prognostications and wrapping the show up, the Chris Carson did not practice today, I think, and the Alex Collins discussion is made all the more relevant by the fact that uh, Seattle are playing Thursday night so I, I would be interested in, in picking up Collins, I think, and uh, and maybe rolling him out if um, if Carson misses time. I'm interested. I'm interested. And not only did he not practice, he did not practice due to a neck injury. Yeah. Yeah, that's no good. Yeah, that's, okay. That's, you don't want your neck getting hurt. No. No, 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 not at all. The neck is one thing that you do not touch. Yeah, unless it's uh, unless it's that song. Anyway, before we, <laughs> <laughs> the worst part is, is I, I was that was literally going in my head. I, was, I started the lyrics. Yeah, I um, I once sang that at karaoke. So uh, I'm proud of you. Yeah, I I don't really drink that much anymore. Right, we will move on to prognostications and we will wrap up the show. So, for those of you keeping tabs, we are currently zero and nine. We haven't got one of these right yet. Nada, in some convoluted lay, convoluted way last week, told us that he thought no undefeated team will lose. Well, he was wrong. In fact, he almost couldn't have been more wrong. Yes, the I was thinking. Only... That. I was thinking about that. <laughs> this this was almost as bad as my every rookie starting quarterback will win, and none of them did. Yes, yes, yes. Um, yes. So. Uh, and mine was that Trey Lance would come into the game after halftime and lead San Francisco to a second-half comeback win. And boy, oh boy, was I feeling cocky about that when the second half started on Sunday night. Oh, Sadly for you, San Francisco didn't get the win, and we are still 0-9 here. So what do you got for me this week? Okay, let's see. The Buffalo Bills and Chiefs game will put up a total of 110 points. Gee whiz, that is a big 110 points. It's 110. You know what that means? That means 110 points were scored. That's exactly what it means. I I did. Yes, I I had put that together. Who are you? Is it sort of going to be? The Bills haven't been conceding a lot of points. We're talking like 90 to 20, maybe. No, not that. Not that lopsided. I'm going about like, oh, shoot, 60-55, The only reason I think this is a bit ridiculous. I think this is going to be a high scoring guy. I think it's going to be plus 90 is that the Bills can actually run the ball and they might choose to do that. Um, and although the Chiefs can score in sort of two plays, the Bills aren't quite as explosive right now. They're obviously a good offense, but they're not one or two touch play 75-yard drive to teams. 
Yes, but if I said, oh, they're combined for 90 points, that's not necessarily a hot take now, is it? No, I don't think it's a hot take at all, but I, oh. I, I like it. Okay. I like the 100. There we go. 110. Um, and mine for this week, uh, we're going to stay We're going to stay in the London game. Why not? And that's Kyle Pitts, three touchdowns, and is the t- tight end one this week. I honestly think my prediction has more of a chance than being right. I guess we will see. I guess we'll find out. All right. So, of course, that's going to have to wrap up this episode. If you want to follow the Sleeper Wire show on Twitter, of course, I highly recommend doing so. Because, of course, that's where you get your updates for all the newsletter articles, start and sit, and, of course, podcast updates, whether that's us, Dynasty Wire, Waiver Wire, Weekends, and, of course, the articles that I previously mentioned. Of course, if you want to follow me on Twitter, I am at TopTierTactics underscore machine. Where can everybody find you? Yep, I am at Sheehan Solo, as always. That's S-H-E-A-H-A-N-S-O-L-O. Find all my articles, all the great sleeper content there. Alrighty, but other than that, hey, good luck, everybody. Good luck, everybody.